what the amazing success of Pokemon Go means for your media brand. And Amazon wants you to pay for podcasts. This is episode 46 of Media Unplugged, so far free. The podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, what the amazing success of Pokemon Go means for your media brand. I can't can you wait believe, to I can't wait Can you to believe this Pokemon Go thing? <laughs> I mean, this is so huge. It's like you can't, you can't open. Um, I think in USA Today, I saw, I looked at USA Today online. There must have been five stories just about Pokemon Go. It is unbelievable. <laughs> what it really means is that you too can appeal to people if you can finally accept that we're all stock raving mad. <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. I mean, look, it's been a week of police shootings, terrorism, attempted coups, but the biggest global phenomenon is millions of people stumbling around staring at their phones trying to catch, catch imaginary creatures. Yes, I know. I went to visit a client, and he pulls out his phone, he points it around his office, and he shows me there's one of the little Pokemon beasties under his desk, and I thought, you too! Unbelievable. Well, that should be against the rules. I mean, you sh they shouldn't allow these things in your building. I'm, I'm going to see if I can ban them from my Yeah, office. good luck. Good luck. I think if you pay <laughs> to ban them, you can successfully ban them. But most people are going to pay to attract them, I think we're going to find. I think as most people know by now, Pokemon Go is a game that uses your iPhone's GPS and clock to detect where you are uh, in the game. And the game appears around you, augmented reality. Uh, the game infests your own reality by looking at the screen, not in a 3D kind of way, but on a look at the screen on your phone and wherever you go, there you'll find a Pokemon beastie. And the more you catch, the better off you are. And there are spots, hot spots for Pokemon monsters and uh, uh, you and others can uh, traverse those hot spots. And what's amazing to me is the amount of crime, evidently... <laughs> Well, they found a dead body here in town yeah. where I am. Oh, is that where it was? Oh, yeah, there's one, I heard yeah, someone, one of them anyway. <laughs> was the dead body in the game or was it in reality? Was no, it augmented it was or reality? reality? I think it was in reality. <laughs> well, that's not... Do you get any points for finding that? I don't know. <laughs> hey, listen, you laugh at this. How do you think Twitter feels that this stupid game launches and it already has surpassed Twitter in daily users? I mean, isn't that amazing? And Instagram, too, from what I understand. I know. Now... Here's the thing. This game has no, this is in one of the pieces that we're reading about it. This game currently has no significant multiplayer capability, meaning you can't battle your real life friends or trade with them. Two functionalities that are very big in the handheld games. Tom, well, you can't even play against people. Listen, when you can play against people, it's going to be insane. Look, I don't even know what the hell's. I, I, I bumped into some people doing this in the street. I mean, and I let me see what you're doing. And I just. I don't know. Rational human beings, right? They're spending millions of dollars a day in the U.S. alone on things called pokeballs and lucky right. eggs. It's insane. But there are lessons. You think we should talk about lessons? <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about the lessons. Let's, 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 first of all, I've got to make one point, though, that one person actually wrote, and then we'll get to the lessons. <laughs> it's also a bit of an escape. Well, that certainly applies more to virtual reality, which can immerse you entirely in another world. Oh, yeah. Pokemon Go gives you the opportunity uh, to, for once, forget about all the terrible S happening out there. Explore the beauty of the world and catch some Pokemon along the way. Tom, right. anybody who's looking at their phone everywhere they go is hardly exploring the beauty of the world. Yeah, we, I don't we, care that we needed that. We, ne we needed the phone because the yeah. beauty of the world wasn't there prior to that. <laughs> no, not only that, but you couldn't even see it unless you were looking at your phone. That's true. <laughs> it was. 
So let's talk about some of the lessons here. All right. So some of the lessons. I think one thing to realize, and this is a big lesson, is that engaged users, they bring traffic, but rabid fans are the ones who drive profitability. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is as true for McDonald's and, and media brands as it is for, for Pokemon Go. Because, like, here's a goofy game expected to hit a billion in revenue within a year, mm. and only 5% of users actually buy anything. <laughs> but, but those who do spend an average of $9.60 a month. And that's not even including the business tie-ins, right? The brands that are going to create lures for Pokemonsters because that brings attention to their brand either in the real world or, um, you know, outside of it. So that whole pool is yet to be developed. They haven't even, they don't even have that off the drawing board yet. Oh, I know, I know. You know, so this, they did everything right. I mean, the developer starts with a, a ready-made generation of fans. So there's already people True. who are familiar with the brand, with the storyline. Right. And this right. is key, Mark. I mean, I was listening to a podcast with a screenwriter, uh, Terry Rossio, and, and he made something crystal clear, which I've been trying relentlessly to get across to people in the marketplace. Listen to what he said. He said, interest causes people to lean into a story and start to look and engage and be involved. And lack of interest, you can't recover from that. <laughs> okay? So these guys started with interest, which is driven by people's desires. They mm -hmm. tapped into this latent desire. And, you know, we can talk more about other lessons about the game, but that's the most important one. Well, let's begin with the fact that it is a game. And it is fun. And it is easy. And it is addictive. It's a game. And so much of what, um, you know, brands want us to do is not is their game. Uh, right. That point was made in one of these articles as, uh, as well. They said one of the secrets of its success, users are, driving, are driving the adoption, not marketers. This is what your point is. Users are driving the adoption, not marketers. Gary Vaynerchuk famously said, marketers ruin everything. As marketers, we're biased towards solving our own business problems first and our consumers' problems second. Despite what we tell ourselves, no one wants to see our ads magically come to life in their newspaper, nor have they ever asked themselves why they can't scan a cereal box for more detailed information. That is the truest paragraph I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And, and the, way, the, the way that adoption is being driven is, is through social signals, which people don't see typically out in the world. Obviously, you see this because you see all these idiots walking around staring at the phone and ready to walk into a car. Right. But, right. but when you see a lime squeezed into, into a Corona bottle, the neck of a beer bottle, that's mm -hmm. a social signal too. So, right? mm -hmm. When you see people out in the real world using the product, that drives adoption faster than anything. Yes. In fact, I was just talking uh, to uh, Jonah Berger, the author of Invisible Influence and uh, Contagious, the other day. And that was one of the points he made is he said, make... Uh, make your, your social signal observable. Make your brand observable. In order for your brand to serve as a social signal, it has to be observable in some way. And you know what? People walking around staring into their phones playing this game draws attention. Oh, absolutely. To say nothing of all the publicity generated by that activity, which in turn draws attention and more downloads and more gameplay. And, and you know, it becomes a virtuous cycle if, if the virtue is directed towards Nintendo. 
No, absolutely. And listen, if the fans, you know, if they really engage with it, which they do, then you give them an opportunity to enhance the experience with some in-app purchases, right? Hey, right. You can enhance it. Spend a few bucks. And, and yes. people just do it. They push a button. You, it's that If you simple. want to progress in the game, you've got to invest in the game. In fact, One Piece says the next step will be for Nintendo and Niantic to... Uh, establish a self-serve advertising platform where businesses of all kinds can sponsor locations within the game. Right. In fact, such a platform need not be limited to Pokemon Go, but could extend to any and all geo-based games using their back-end software. So now they've created, Tom, a new platform, what we used to call back in the day a store promotion, except in this case, the promotion is one that happens to take place on your phones augmenting reality it's fascinating really yeah and don't think that they're not going to use i mean you know niantic being a, a, a google spinoff they understand how this advertising stuff works they're not going to have people pay like they do for a billboard they're going to end up paying a cost per visit mm -hmm. you know they're going to say look you want you want to put your little sponsored location on the game sure you don't pay anything if nobody shows up and by the way wouldn't you rather pay a cost per visit of course if you get a visit out of it well that's that's what ends all of this tension of whether i should do it or not should i should i pay the money for this advertising well you're not paying unless somebody comes in so of right. course you're going to pay it you know and i think the, the the other big key insight for media brands is to look at i mean obviously some planning went into this a lot mm -hmm. look at who did this it was no single brand that tried to pull this off this was a collaboration of ideas and funding from, you know, Niantic, Nintendo, Google, Pokemon, and there were other companies involved as well in the funding of this. So I think media brands who think they have to do everything on their own are making a big mistake. Mm, good point. You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. Amazon wants you to pay for podcasts. How in the world is that? Why didn't we get this memo before we did this podcast? I don't know what's going on. We need to talk about this. <laughs> well, it's a new audio service. It's called Channels. It's, uh, it provides ad-free podcasts and other audio content for a price. Um, it is uh, intended as kind of a challenge of sorts to Apple and others. It's part of Amazon's audiobook service, Audible, which means subscribers who are already paying $14.95 a month get free access to the podcast. Non-subs, however, will have to cough up $4.95 each month to access the service. The draw is a mix of originality. It will continue to roll out new content as it expands and quality. Origin originality and quality. We never hear those as being the intended draw, do we? <laughs> and here's, here's the point that they make, which I, I was amused by. I've heard customers refer to podcasting as a flea market where you'll find some treasures and it's surrounded by a lot of junk. Uh, the uh, Audible's SVP told Bloomberg. You have to be in the mood to sort through the junk to find the treasure, and people don't want to do that all the time. What the hell? And Television thinking, television's the same way. I mean, it's, it's, this is such a specious <laughs> argument. This is the argument of someone who's in the business of curating content and trying to establish um, uh, unique uh, quality content and trying to set that apart from the oceans of content available otherwise. This is not how regular people are. You're absolutely right, Tom. <laughs> regular people are, I'm going to find what I like, or I'm going to let it wash over me, or something. You know what? If I don't discover my perfect programming right now, I will survive another day. <laughs> <laughs> so I anyway, will live. I, this is a, 
a very interesting move by Amazon. Now, it feels to me, not that this is right, this is my gut, like a value add for Audible. Because, I mean, imagine that yes. you're on the fence, right? So you've got this, you're, you're looking and you say, maybe I want to listen to my books now on audio instead of reading them on my Kindle or whatever. Do I want to spend this $14.95 a month to do this? But then all of a sudden you find out you can get these unique Audible articles from your favorite magazines and newspapers, you know, your favorite authors who are exclusively on this pl channel platform. I think that might be enough to move a lot of people. That will have a lot of people to the $15 service. Yeah, to mean. the $15 service. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that Channels doesn't call its content podcasts because the service also includes, as you indicate, audio versions of articles from major publications, comedy shows, and a whole host of other stuff ranging from short fiction to language courses. So there's a whole category of audio that, that isn't redundant to what you see in the iTunes uh, store under podcasts. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's intended to say, look at all this other stuff that wasn't published between, you know, in, in hardcover or, or softcover once upon a time hmm. or on Kindle. And it, too, lives in audio. And we're going to call that audio. We're not going to call that podcast. And also what's interesting is it gets around the fundamental problem that podcasts have, which is that that, that name has been... Um, nurtured as representing free content from day one. Right, right. Uh, so I, I think the big insight, to me anyway, is, is the fact that it's coming from Amazon. I mean, because this is a company, and you know this, they analyze business scenarios to death. Every yep. single move they make. So if they see value in spoken word audio entertainment, that's validation. If it's not, I don't know what is. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And also, I think if you're, if you're charging people $14.95 a month for an audio service, and there's this universe of podcasting out there that's increasingly hot, you really have to ask yourself, why should anyone pay $14.95 a month when so much of what they can get to occupy their time is free? The answer is not because there's a lot of junk out there. The answer is because the people paying that fourteen ninety five a month are people we just tipped over, right? Oh yeah, that's your point. Yeah, yeah people well, are buying the the occasional uh, the occasional Audible book and now say, you know what? Why don't Why don't I just subscribe to this for fourteen ninety five and I can get more Audible books and all these other things at the same time? Yeah, I think so. And if and listen, if if what they produce is exclusive to that to their platform, and they can move people to that exclusivity. I don't know. To me, in the marketplace, free doesn't really validate anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's got to be an exchange of money if you want to validate a business model. So we'll see. Sure. We'll see if this works. I, I think it's a smart move, but it depends on what kind of content. You know that. It's all about the content. I think it's a smart move. I don't think, I think to your point, it has much more to do with the people who are either subscribing today to Audible or the people who are on the verge of subscribing to Audible and has nothing to do with a ton of people who are out there getting podcasts for free. Because, you know, even that is, remains a minority of the, uh, of the U.S. population and will remain so for some time. So I think that if they're not getting it for free, they're not going to get it for $14.95. Agreed. <laughs> All right, Tom, it's time for Rants and Raves. Do you have anything special for us this week? Not really. I was going to rave about Cheetos. They launched their virtual Cheetos Museum. Have you heard about it? 
No. What is this with you and food rants and raves? I, I don't. <laughs> maybe because I'm always hungry, but but it's uh, yeah. So yeah. So it's this it's this online virtual Cheetos museum. It's dedicated to weird shapes of Cheetos that people find in the bag, or you know, or, or ones that they imagine in the bag. So things like the state of Texas, uh, Abe Lincoln, mm-hmm. the Statue of Liberty. They're even running a 10-week contest with $10,000 each week as a prize for the best submissions. Okay, so you know me. I'm all for playfulness and fun. Right. But then I read that half of all U.S. fresh food produce is thrown away. <laughs> Not because they're spoiled. Nope. Because, are you ready? They're ugly. Like, (laughs) listen, like the Cheetos. They're not perfect. Mm -hmm. So think about it. We've got a museum dedicated to strange-looking Cheetos, and we're going to pay people $10,000 a week to find strange-looking Cheetos. Mm -hmm. But we can't get people to eat strange-looking fruits and vegetables. I mean, vast quantities are left either to rot or are Mm -hmm. hauled straight to landfills because we're being conditioned Mm -hmm. not to like them. Interesting. Mark, when I say vast, that's, they, they estimate that what's thrown away is enough to feed the hungry. Wow. So my rant goes out to all of the corporate behemoths and marketing geniuses. Yes, have fun. But listen, take some time and put your wonderfully creative minds into changing something of significance to millions. Mm. Let's get people to eat strange fruit or donate it to a hungry brothers and sisters out there. I mean, I know a lot of these creative types. I work with them. And mm-hmm. they are, as far as I'm concerned, they're like the strangest people of any bunch. <laughs> so we embrace them. <laughs> so let's embrace the strangeness in everything, including our produce. That's my rant. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to take that somewhere else. I thought you were going to say, what if the Virtual Cheetos Museum were an augmented reality game where the purpose of the game was to go around town and find the strange-looking Cheetos and capture them in the oh, real world. Oh, man. Stra- find, find and buy the strange-looking That's fruits right. and vegetables. That's right. Then, then what you've got is instead of me creating a contest prize for $10,000 for the strange Cheetos, I, the consumer, am paying you in order to put somewhere strange-looking Cheetos so that I can buy them through my mobile device uh, via augmented reality. You see, part of a game. all of the, our problems can be solved through creativity. We just need to put our minds to them. I think if everything were Pokemon Go, then we would all be both uh, insane and more efficient all at the same time. <laughs> all right, I've got, a, I've got only one. I, I, I don't oh, that's know. That's new it's, for you. <laughs> I know. I've only got one this week. It's a, uh, it's a rant, of course. Um, now, I know, Tom, that you watch on TV the Real Housewives of New York City. No. Yes, right. I knew you did. <laughs> So there's a character on there named Ramona. You know the whole deal with these Bravo shows, Real Housewives of this and that. They're yeah. all a bunch of housewives who, you know, conflict with each other and, and use social media to their benefit and so on and so forth. So um, here's apparently something interesting happened because Ramona, one particular uh, housewife from New York, uh, has a very popular, as they all do, Instagram um, uh, platform. And she posted this. She said... Uh, Today marks Rodan and Fields, which is a a maker of makeup, I guess, third annual hashtag RF Go Naked Day. From the neck up, of course, women all over social media will take their makeup-free selfies and show off those flawless complexions with confidence for every selfie tag with hashtag 
FR Go Naked. Rodan and Fields will donate $5 through the Prescription for Change Foundation to their nonprofit partner, et cetera, et cetera. You'll often see me sharing unfiltered and makeup-free selfies on my Instagram account, and I feel confident doing so because of the way my skin looks. Uh, the uh, redefined line is my favorite line. It makes me feel the most confident in my skin. And, of course, next to all this is a picture of Ramona on her Instagram feed. <laughs> all of this is fine, right, Tom? I mean, this is just typical kind of, you know, yep. a celebrity promoting something that they like. Um, except this was shown at the beginning of her post. This wasn't supposed to be there, but somehow this got into the beginning of her post. How did this happen? Here is the text. Quote, here is the draft with some language for the post. If we could have Ramona add something personal in about why she feels confident going makeup free, that would be great. Happy to make any changes you'd like. The link to RNF is linked to her personal page on their site, and the Instagram is linked to her account as well. Oh, come so, on, Mike. Mark, <laughs> you actually think that these people are, are tweeting these things on their own? <laughs> Here we go. No, again. I don't. So, I mean, what, what's funny is, it's look, we all know that money changes hands for these various social media posts, right? That yeah. not everyone feels this incredible urge to share their success with this amazing makeup line just because they must go to social media right away and share it. <laughs> but the idea that you're going to take the money from the advertiser and then not do even the slightest bit of editing on what they send you before you flash it out on Instagram is amazing to me. As the article in, uh, <laughs> where is this from? And the article in Mashable says, despite getting paid thousands of dollars for endorsing sponsored content on social media, these celebrities have shown us that a few thousand dollars can't buy the effort to draft a full social media post. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, behind the spin in media. I know. Well, that's what this show is all about, isn't it? Yeah, because nobody knows that that exists. So that's right. Thanks to us for letting them that's, know. That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at art19.com, our new, our new hosting home, Tom. I love that. How's it going for you? I, I love it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Radio Inc., Media Village, Net News Check, and the American Marketing, the esteemed American Marketing Association. Indeed. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For the untouchable Tom Asacker, <laughs> I'm Mark Ramsey. Thanks for listening. 